0: Hello there, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Manu. And this is It Came From The Newsstand, a podcast about comics, cards, collectibles, original art, and nostalgia from the perspective of two collectors who are also sellers. That's us, buddy. That is us. But, Dave, don't you dare leave out video games. Next time, I won't. But you know what? I want that in there as a reminder to never fuck up again. <laughs> That's my own reminder. Dang. <laughs> Dropping an F-bomb early on just sets the precedent. Don't let your kids listen to this unless you want them to hear words like fuck shit doo doop. <laughs> 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 I'll take that out. Tagline.
1: It came from the newsstand. I'll take that out.
0: Hashtag, I'll take that out. (laughs) That title,
1: I'll edit that part out.
0: Ooh, if we don't use it for this one, we're going to use it for another one.
1: Eventually, that's coming, yeah. How are you, my friend? I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's been an an action-packed week, couple of days, what have you, and... It goes by quickly and I'm happy to be here having this conversation with you today. I know a bit about what we're going to talk about because you told me you were excited to discuss Mm -hmm. the state of things, but I don't know exactly what's on your mind, so I'm here for it and hopefully
0: I can jump into the discussion with you. Well, I will agree it has been an action-packed week from the 2k celebration show that we did on youtube thank you for being a part of that congratulations again and thank you for having me and uh, allowing me
1: to meet so many of your friends who i now feel are my friends
0: yeah yeah it was a it was a, a guest-filled evening and and then after that i did another friday night hangout on instagram where i sold books for four and a half five hours and and then today while editing i watched the heritage auction and bought a very expensive piece of art which i'll talk about some other time cool yeah it's been a really good week and i know well you know we've been in touch the entire week talking about how great it's been yeah but that does not absolve us from talking about the shit that has been going down in the comic book market yeah tell me man what have you been seeing what are you feeling what's got you thinking a lot uh it kind of goes back to what we talked about two weeks ago, when I had we had had a brief conversation about the consigner accounts on Instagram and how Diamond. Well, let's 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 just give a little background for anybody that's for people that's listening that do not know, there are three major comic book consigner accounts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They they are Elite Eleven, which is the biggest. Yeah, they are Grails, which is the second largest. Mm-hmm and then there is diamond comics or diamond comic supply what i forget what they're completely called a couple of weeks ago they posted oh they were having a f- diamond posted they were having a fall sale and there was this big kind of almost panic inducing verbiage of how they were doing this sale right so there's just been a lot of what i like to say the sky is falling talk sure through the selling community and you know this this is no you're no stranger to to this because like it happened eight months ago. It happened at the beginning of the year, towards the end of last year, where like talk of recession in the world and the you know economy led to talk of the comic book market is falling to the floor. And is this can it fall any further? Or can prices go down any further? Right. I don't know about you, but did you feel like that talk seemed to go away a little bit as we edged toward towards like the spring and then summer? You know, when when the when the
1: prices first started to fall, and it was on top of everyone's mind, it was at the top of everyone's uh, list of things to discuss. These these newly reduced prices at auction, yeah, they mm-hmm. were talking about it a lot more. But I think maybe. That's maybe I noticed more of it because it was like the headline, the fresh headline, and uh, you know, because what I want to say is I've noticed a constant of that sort of communicate that sort of uh, conversation ever since Mm -hmm. then. I hadn't heard it go away; I just heard it get a little quieter,
0: right? And I think the reason why we all heard it get quieter is because what does spring bring? Spring, (laughs) spring brings the beginning of Comic Con season. Oh. Yeah, so, so Emerald City Comic Con is usually the, kind of the, usually, not this year, but I think this year maybe it was C2E2 or I forget what the first convention is in March. But the reason why I think that talk went away is because everybody started selling books again in person. Oh, sure. You know, and, and people realized that like, oh, conventions are not dead. They are far from it. I experienced it firsthand in July with SummerCon, which is a smaller Comic Con in Washington, but it did not feel small at all. It felt quite large. And I haven't seen the comic book market falling at all since at all, period. <laughs> firsthand. I've seen prices go down, but that doesn't mean people have stopped buying. It just means prices have gone down a little bit, but then they kind of went, they didn't go back up, but they didn't, I guess they, they stabilized a bit. And that's an important thing to to
1: to say. What you just said, you saw prices go down, but you didn't see people stop buying. That's that's a inv- very important differentiation to make, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as the it's not as though the market went away. It's just that it became what everyone calls for the right reasons, a buyer's market. People are still Mm -hmm. looking to buy. They're just looking to get more aggressive on their purchases because they saw what happened with the spike of 2021. And their defense against that is to buy as low as they possibly can, but they still want the stuff that they want. And so I think that's going to play into what you're seeing and what we're going to be discussing tonight. How are sellers reacting
0: to a buyer's market? Yes. And- to go back to the consigners thing which i think in our community our atmosphere instagram is the kind of connective tissue that you meet new new customers and customers meet new sellers all the time because it's like although i sell on youtube primarily you can reach me at any time on Instagram. And then there's people that sell on whatnot primarily, but you can find what's happening with them daily on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the central hub of, of social, social media. And so I want to just talk about, at first, I want to talk about my experiences with these three consigners because I have had wildly different experiences with them. And they are, in my eyes, partially, if not a big portion of what is happening with pricing because it is the one place that you can connect with a seller and you can see what else they're selling. That is a niche market where it's like eBay's for fucking everybody. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not really personal, but my first experience with elite, it was my only experience with elite and it wasn't a good one. Uh, I tried to wanted to do live selling with them before I ever started with grails and I reached out to them and I had a a, re- a reference in Bronze Age Batcave. Damon Damon said he would he would talk to them for me. Okay. Long story short, they were like, oh, you need to post books, a bunch of books with us for static sale before we ever do a live with you. And I was like, okay. So I sent them pictures and stuff and this was a year and change ago. And they wanted me to sell at the lowest price that there had been a sale for at that point. And I didn't want to do that, but I did it anyway. And they sent me like three low ball offers. And I said, no, thanks. You're already asking me to sell at the lowest price. And that was that. That was the end of the relationship with them. I never contacted them again. and I never tried to sell with them again. You never had the live sale with them? Nope. Okay. Nope. And, you know, I, I wanted to write a strongly worded message with them. Say like, look. And at that point, I had like a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I'm like, I already have an established brand. I don't need you to get me more. Followers, I need you to be able, I need to move big books through you. And my thinking with it was, you know who I am. One of your biggest sellers is friends with me. And you're telling me you don't want to make money with me? Hmm. Okay, I'll go somewhere else. And and that's when I went to Grails. And Grails was a recommendation from Matty because he had worked with them. And he said, look, they don't ask you to price your stuff at the lowest price possible. They let you determine what price you want to price and they let you sell. And obviously, it was a fruitful relationship. In three live sales with them, I made over $30,000. Well, that's really great.
1: Um, and But when you're talking about letting them pricing stuff yourself, are you also talking about their static posts? Or are you talking exclusively about during a live sale? Because I don't think they price... I don't think even Elite has suggestions about how to price books during a live sale.
0: I don't know if they have suggestions how to post books in a live sale, but I've heard that they... They are. Like, they say it without saying it. Hmm. Um, Grails doesn't care, static or live. They don't give a shit what you price your books at. Okay. So then I took a shot at posting this, uh, using, using Diamond this week for their fall sale by posting a couple books that I had already posted with Grails that didn't sell. And they were G.I. Joe 2196 Newsstand, mm-hmm. I believe uh, ASM 25296 Newsstand. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number one, fourth, print, nine, eight, and Strange Tales, 126.85. I went on the Terror Peak product research. You know, I I I priced them around what the last buy it now prices were. Okay. That's that sold. They came back to me to tell me that I needed to price under the last auction sale comps. Under? Under. Under the last auction sale comps. They sent me back prices. Last was this, this, and, and I'm just like- No. Under is a very interesting word there. Or Maybe they didn't say under and they said at. Okay. Okay. And I said to them in a, you know, I was polite. I said, I don't price according to auction sales. I price Mm -hmm. according to buy it now sales. Auction sales don't dictate the market and they shouldn't. Plus, I didn't say, oh, so you're citing these eBay auctions that charge shipping and tax? So now this person has to get a deal mm. on top of a deal and I have to pay for shipping. So I just told them to post the Turtles book, which took them five days to post, five days to post. And I'll, I I don't care if it sells. I'm, I'm, I won't ever communicate with them again.
1: Five days to post after you guys already agreed that this is the pricing going to post. That's a long
0: time. Oh yeah, that is a long time. I could fart in a Grail's DM and they would ask me what I had for dinner four seconds later <laughs>
1: point point made
0: <laughs> yeah so i love working with grails and i recommend it they're great to work with they're really polite really nice and they let me fucking go off uh, in in the dms about the current state of things but this whole and this is where my anger lies this whole bullshit about last sold auctions this that and the other thing one fucking sale does not dictate the price of every other book like that. Right. Okay. Auctions do not dictate the price of every other same book like that. We've already discussed this and I love your, me and you share that kind of same view on it because you were the one that kind of points out like so much factors into an auction. What time did they post it? Mm -hmm. How much feedback do they have? How's the description? How are the pictures? This, that, and the other thing. This whole instagram consigner and also instagram claim sale thing seems to me like people are they don't care about devaluing their collectibles they will sell at any price and it's a fucking race to the bottom and the other people who are following suit and using this as a guideline do they not do people not realize that if you keep doing this nothing is going to be worth jack shit for a long time If we start racing to sell Malibu Sun Errors, I'm just using that as an example, even though there's not a lot out there, Mm -hmm. but if there were a lot of Malibu Sun Error 9.8s and everybody just kept selling them lower and lower and lower, what the fuck are you doing that for? Right. This shit's, it's going to be worth nothing. Case in point, Wizard Magazine. It's not worth nothing, but we saw what happened when somebody put an ungodly amount of 9.8s on the census and then sold them all. Important factor there. I mean, because I I, 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 can recognize why you use
1: that example, but also I'm like, oh, that's that's not the right <laughs> example, only because that was not an established market. That's the first time those books have gotten great sure. and come to market. So you can't really use that as an example when you're talking about some books that have been traded and sold for the last 20, 25 years. The race to the bottom doesn't actually get to zero because you have an established buyer base that gets really, really excited about certain price, and they're going to start gobbling them up. Yeah. And 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 an interesting i mean there's a lot to think about here i only interjected because i just feel like there could have been a better example than the wizard one and i'm sure we'll get to it yeah yeah but i i'll say really quickly with an established book sometimes a race to the bottom well i for an established book i don't think a book can go to zero because there's enough people at a certain price point to say oh i i definitely want that thing and then you might start seeing a bounce from that for an established book a race to the bottom doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go to zero in fact i would argue that it can't because you have plenty of people for decades that have wanted a book and they'll find a price where they won't let it go and that could just establish a new floor so the interesting notion there is for an established book with liquidity in the market and desirability It's probably a race to the floor, whatever the new floor is going to be. And that floor is likely not going to be zero, but there's nuance there as well. And the other thing that I want to just leave with you and we'll we'll carry on, but I want to plant this with you, is that it might not be the worst thing when people start undercutting prices. Yes, it's bad for someone holding the piece, seeing the price go down, seeing their investment get devalued, but you might actually be finding its true value when that happens, because at a price where it can't go any lower, where as soon as it's listed at that price, it sells. If, if someone lists a book for 500 bucks and it's gone in 50 seconds, the next person is not going to list it at 450 because the 50 seconds it took for it to sell is an indicator that the next one should be at 550. So the other factors in how the book gets gobbled up will determine what the next person prices it
0: at. But carry on because I want to explore this a lot more. Well, I want to give you uh, another example of what the fuck is going on right now it was it was last week sometime elite put up and i still follow them because it is a great way to understand take the pulse of what graded books are selling for right now yeah because another thing that you know i really am not a fan of is gpa because gpa people use it as it's like you know what gpa is and i i don't I don't say this because you use it i say because everybody uses it Mm -hmm. gpa is the religious person quoting the bible while they're fucking their neighbor's wife my goodness well that's exactly what it is that's what it is gpa 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 and and then i ask remember i asked this question like a year ago to you where does gpa take their their data from the
1: the answer that you're looking for is is the fact that there are there are established resources where books are sold that they do not get data from so they just don't have all the data points is
0: right point. and when people use gpa i'm like so what i saw that same book sell on elite last night for for $100 more or $100 less mm-hmm. um, so that that we could talk about a little bit too but i saw this thing happen on elite last week they posted a vengeance of bane number 1 nine, eight, first appearance of bane for <sighs> Almost sure, it was $280. It was, and other people were surprised at that price as well. Yes. Now, I saw a bunch of people in the comments go like, why is this so cheap? How is this possible? You know, like three people people claimed it. And I chimed into one of the people who was like, why is this so cheap? And I said, well, because, you know, the sky is falling mentality that everybody's using is forcing these is forcing these sellers to sell their books cheaper and cheaper to the point where now you're getting it for nearly three quarters of what it's worth, because there was more sales of it for closer to four hundred dollars. Needless to say, after all those comments, I went to go find that post again the next day. It was gone. What? Yeah. Elite deleted it. Wait a second. But you said the book sold. They still deleted it. They deleted that entire post. I thought I was going crazy trying to find it. And then I went into the back end of my Instagram to see the comments that I had left on other people's things. It wasn't there.
1: I Would it be inappropriate for me to go onto Elite's Instagram page right now while we're recording this podcast and see if I can't see that post? Yeah, go for it. I don't mind. All right. I... Because... I mean, they've deleted posts before, but that's it. Like, let's say I'm listing a book with them and then I sell it, right? Because it's not like I have to wait for them to sell it. I'm selling it too. I would message them and say, hey, this one's no longer available. Please remove this post. And the reason it's so important for me to tell them to remove the post or why I would like it to be removed is because if it's an unsold post, it sends the signal that the book was undesirable. But if I've sold it, I need that post to be removed. So I'm scrolling. Go ahead. But if they sold it, they want it to be seen that it's sold. Exactly. Which is why I'm surprised that you're telling me the book was claimed multiple times. Um, and then you're you're telling me that they deleted the post. Now, I know it was a few days ago and I'm scrolling. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you how many days back I am now. I'm already five days back. I don't think that was five days ago. Mm, it was it was six at,
0: at max, but I, I don't think it was more than five. Hey, listen, man. From my quick scrolls, I don't see it. Well, they... I don't know what could have happened. Maybe the buyer realized that the buyer was being pressured to selling it too cheap. Or maybe they realized that the comment section wasn't a good look where everybody's like, what the fuck is going on? Mm -hmm. But this is the same shit I'm seeing everywhere from Diamond telling me to sell at like auction prices, disregarding the fact that like it's a tax free and a shipping free you know purchase for somebody to, to elite doing that. And then Grail's. Now, this is this is uh, a message I got from them today. i had listed some books with them like a week and a half ago, including a Sandman 2598, mm-hmm. which is the first appearance of the Dead Boy Detectives, which did get optioned uh, for an HBO series. But obviously nothing's moving forward because of the strike. But right. Uh, black cover, notoriously not easy to get. 9 in the Vertigo books, the Sandman books, because the paper is it, it's just more susceptible to ticks showing up. Sure. 33 of those books in a nine-eight on the census. Book is over 30 years old. 33 only. Only 33. There is a auction comp from January of 2023 for $206. There is an auction comp from November of 2022 for $307. Something like that. No other 9 available out there. I think I had them posted for $350 on you know, their, their page. Mm-hmm. Because it's a ghost. And it's literally a ghost of a key about dead kids that are detectives that are paranormal ghosts. So it's a ghost of a ghost. Wow. <laughs> the person offered me $205. Oh, no. Citing the last sale. And so Grails and look, those guys are good friends we do a lot of business together. They love it when I sound off in the DMs about whatever it is I feel like sounding off at. And they love that shit. You know, they don't care. Was there actually a $205 last sale
1: for the book that you priced at 350 bucks?
0: Yeah, from January of 2023. And
1: it was an auction. So that was the only recent sale because there's only 33 and most collectors would rather have it than sell it. Mm-hmm. And somebody got lucky in an auction. Now the question I have for you is, did you research that sale? Since you have Peak, are you actually able to see that listing? Were you able to take a look at pictures of the book? No, I never, I never look. I didn't look at the book. Okay, because like, what if it was an ugly 9-8? What if it was a gift grade, had five ticks on the cover or something? Obviously it's not going to get the premium if it's a savvy collector bidding on it.
0: Right, and plus, the fact that there are no others out there for sale makes me like, I don't care what the last auction was because the auction before it was 300. So if, even if I wanted to do an average of those two auctions, plus I factor in an extra 10% or whatever for tax, I still would have been at 250, 260, you know? And I just don't care. Like We talked about the, a collectible being a collectible when it's truly rare. This is not a, a book you see anywhere. Why would I sell it for 200 bucks? I don't need to. Because when Sandman comes out in the second season and more people start looking for that book again, I'll be able to get whatever I want. I would have taken $300 for it, but this person just insulted with a $205. Fuck you. Fuck you. I, that means I'm taking $150 home because I'm paying Grails and I'm paying for shipping. Right.
1: The shipping in that case would actually be more expensive than the percentage Grails would take, I think, out of a book of that price, I think. One thing that I want to slip into this conversation, because I think it's important to say it, um, is for these consignment pages, it's not lost on me that they don't get paid unless the book sells. Right. And so, obviously, they're incentivized to price it at the most attractive price. And in this uh, hobby, Mm -hmm. attractive means least expensive. And... So they they're incentivized to do that because they
0: they only get paid once it sells. It's pretty simple. Anyone can read into that. Of course, of course, they weren't, and they were they they prefaced it with the offer and a frown
1: face. Well, that's because you have that personal relationship with them. And they already know that when you see that, you're going to throw up in your mouth.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I just said, I, you know, I, I said, no, thanks. And then, you know, I just cited. I was like, they they said that he cited, the person cited an auction comp. I'm like, okay, good for them. And I said what I said to them that one other time. They can buy it somewhere else. Oh, wait, they can't.
1: <laughs>
0: so you know what I'm going to do? Just to just to fuck with that person, I'm going to put it on eBay for $400.
1: I feel like that's the right price to post it at anyway, 400 or best offer. Right? Sure, sure. Um, because I think, you know, some people make the argument that auctions are how you find the true value of a book. And but everything that you said earlier today is, well, how skilled are you at setting up your auction and Mm -hmm. are you promoting your auction? You know, is there awareness there? Are your pictures crap? Do you have a good reputation on the platform that you're selling on? All of that will affect how many people take the listing serious. So in my mind, I think the value of a book is probably a compromise between an auction sale and what someone was paying on a buy
0: it now sale. Somewhere in the middle is probably a fair value for the book. But we've also already proven that auctions always end 20% under what Buy It Now's end.
1: Yeah, I think of auctions as, as where an opportunist shops. Someone that's yes. willing to be patient for what they want and waits for that auction is going to get a better deal than someone that's, you know, um, uh, enthusiastic about finding a book, looking on platforms, seeing it, and wanting it and buying it because they found it and there's no other one around. Mm-hmm. But a patient opportunist will Wait for an auction, and then there's also ways to make sure that you do good. Um, there, there are also tactics to use when you find the auction, and that's a different episode, a different discussion yeah. because there are there are advanced methods to keeping your costs down and still winning the auction. Uh, it's a psychological thing, and I'd love to talk about it one day.
0: Sure, I'm totally down to talk about that one day. And yeah, I um, you know auctions only really dictate the price of of one kind of collectible, and I think you know what that is. Hmm. A one of one. Oh, I never actually thought about it that way. Yeah, an auction. Because that's the only chance to get it because it's the only one that exists. So that's it. Like original art or uh, sketch cards or, you know, like these precious metal gems that maybe there's whatever. There is so rare, you know, cards in general that are so rare one exists or 10 exists. And, you know, when you're talking about a card numbered out of 10, it, it might as well be a one of one because... Eight of those cards are already squirreled away in some collector's hands in his collection. But a one of one in an auction situation makes sense because there's there's no waiting. There's no waiting to find it somewhere else because you can't. You know, like, um, you know, if you look at like any of the big auction houses, I'm not just talking about heritage like Christie's or, you know, any of these pieces of memorabilia and like sports the Wayne Gretzky jersey that was worn in the, you know, that I didn't fabricate, but one that was worn in the Stanley (laughs) Cup, (laughs) one that was worn in a Stanley Cup final or something like that's it. The person, right. the people that want to buy it, whether there's five or 500, this is the only opportunity they will ever have possibly for a lifetime. For example, I've got a couple of things that are ending on auction tomorrow and it's a one of one and it's already got some crazy bids on it because there are no others. But when we're talking about something that's got multiple, yeah, you can't you can't dictate that with an auction. Like you're talking about a CGC book that there's 33 on the census. That's not a lot, but- if you find it for $200 selling in a claim sale, then buy it.
1: I'm going to bring up something that I am a deep, deep believer of. And it's a thought that I've had on my own for years. It's why you and I have an opportunity to turn our passion into a business and make some money. And the other day on YouTube, someone who's channeled uh, from time to time, I, I enjoy very much. And I forget the dang name. Um, <laughs> reserved Investments. Okay. Something. Anyway, he's a consultant in the collectibles and antiques trade. His words, not mine, but they might as well be mine because I think it descri- describes him accurately. He's sharp. You know, he's he's a guy that deals in a lot of fun and cool stuff, um, all sorts of prices, but he weighs logic against emotion. Mm-hmm. And he calls people that react emotionally, Timmy's, Kimmies, and Point Dexter's. <laughs> and he calls them all sorts of funny names and looks at the screen and Really gives it to him, right? Yeah. Um, Because they harass, not not harass him, but they send him questions about things and tell him that he's wrong about stuff that they love. And he um, very clearly articulates why they're wrong and their love means nothing when it comes to the actual investability of a piece. But getting to the point, the idea that I've played with for years that he put into a beautiful term, Mm. it's not his term, but he articulated it in the last video, efficient markets, The thing about collectibles is it is not an efficient market, meaning you can buy something somewhere and sell it somewhere else to somebody that didn't know how much it sold for in the other place, (laughs) right? When you look at efficient markets, regulated markets, stock markets, certain commodity exchanges, so on and so forth, the price is going to reflect whatever the last sale was on any platform that it's sold, right? The idea behind an efficient market, a regulated market, is so that savvy investors and sellers, they don't have an opportunity for arbitrage, meaning you can't buy a bunch of you know Tesla stock here and then go sell it elsewhere for a profit just because someone's unaware of what it's trading for elsewhere. Right. No, it's trading for the same price everywhere. But in collectibles, in antiques, in treasures, in things that you have to hunt, Um, there is always opportunity for arbitrage to buy for less and sell for higher. And in this community of ours, the more we know about how much these pieces are selling for elsewhere, it's it's empowering for us because then we know how much we should pay for it or how much we could sell it for. A lot of buyers in this community... Um, they're not studying every platform the way that we might be. Mm -hmm. And so they're not seeing that, right? And so I just wanted to make that point. This is an inefficient market. And so you do see these discrepancies in prices, meaning something sells for X on heritage, something is said to be worth X on GPA, uh, uh, eBay will show you a different price, and then you have consignment pages doing what's possibly in their best interest meaning the lowest price possible so they can get the sale and then they kind of maybe are saying well we're not doing anything bad because these aren't recorded prices but there's still thousands of people potentially seeing that post and that number is being recorded in their head and it is affecting how they perceive the value yeah so i just wanted to say that about this market is like it's so inefficient that it's beautiful because it's like this playground of who has the edge and who doesn't and who's willing to
0: and who won't. And I kind of love all that about it. It's the wild, wild west out here. It is the wild, wild west. And I just, I don't like seeing this stuff be devalued arbitrarily. I don't. It's, you know, like everybody's got, like, I mean, I, I didn't think of it the way you just said it. And I think that's awesome. Perception is different because people are looking at different things and then some of us are looking at all the things, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, last night was Brady, Dr. Brady's claim sale on Grails. And there was a lot of stuff going on in there. There was on both sides, a lot of weird things that I didn't pick up on everything. You, you pointed out some things, uh, but (laughs) it, Mm -hmm. it, it was just kind of funny that I was trying to. I like Brady. Brady's a good guy. I've, you know, I've, I've got a relationship with him. I bought stuff from him. Great guy. Yeah. From what I know of him.
1: From what I've heard of him on a live sale, really pleasant guy.
0: Yeah, and and you know, the thing about Doctor Brady is that he does a lot of cleaning and pressing on his own books and other uh, non-restoration tactics. Yeah. To pass, you know, to get the higher grade. If I was doing that on my books, like Maddie. I'd have no problem charging close to market, if not a little bit over. He's doing the work for you. He is maxing out that book for you to give you the best possible book that you could get for that price. Yeah. And I saw people in there just like he would offer what I perceive as a deal and some people didn't. And then people would be like, no, I want it for $400 less. And there's somebody in there that I don't have a personal relationship with and I won't say his name. Okay. He is in this community. I do not like him, and I never have, because I watch him in claim sales, straight up, first offer, 35% off. Okay. And I'm just like, fuck you, man. Like, if if people did that to me, I'd be like, yo, why don't you come here and do my job for me? And then you can have the books at whatever price you want. Like, could you imagine going to, like, one of the big boys at the Comic Cons that we know, you know, and just going up to their table, be like, yo, would you give me 35% off that book? Just cause... And, and I know you're, this is how you do what you do, though. <laughs> if
1: you get offended by a lowballer, I hope this idea starts to circulate that you can send them my way. Tell them where to find the 9.9 newsstand and tell
0: them to shoot me some lowballs. You know, our perspectives are different because you do more of a boutique type selling experience. You know, it's a one-on-one, sometimes it's phone calls, sometimes it's just DMs, voice notes. I will develop the relationship with whomever lowballs me. That lowball may
1: not lead to a sale, but that relationship could potentially later. I will develop the relationship.
0: You know, I set my precedence, so people already know. We've we've talked about this openly before of how I, I you know, I, I deal with people. And I'm always, you know, I'm always good with people. The other night on Friday, people were just offering me whatever, and I was just like literally friday night on instagram was called the make an offer or whatever and i just kept saying yeah this is 25 bucks or whatever yeah and i left that open to your interpretation and i think maybe out of the like 75 offers that i got out of the you know 150 books i i think i said no to like three offers that was it Mm. because like it was about moving inventory but I just I look at this Instagram community and there's one of the reasons why I don't primarily sell there anymore is because it's just extremely a race to the floor at no at whatever cost. Literally whatever cost. Like, how much money is is Elite making when they tell people like, oh, you're trying to sell that book for 500 bucks, but the last sale was 396 on an auction. We need you to sell it for 390. Like No, let them try and sell it for five hundred, and then let them take the offer for three ninety. Coming from you, and we talked about the 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 idea of business. It's like price price up to take the offer low, and elites like fuck that price price at the this price, and then take a lower offer and sell your shit for less than the last
1: person sold it. I need to correct, Dave. He said, coming from me, price, I do not do that. That is just something that I said people do in business. I do not price absurdly high to cushion. I price below market and still take even lower, just in case anyone's listening.
0: <laughs> <I> do, yeah, <laughs> just in case anyone's listening. Nobody. Nobody's <laughs> listening to this podcast right just, now. <laughs> just, just in case. <laughs>
1: No, but I get what Dave is saying, but I didn't like the way it sounded. I do not price above market to cushion for it. It's just a tactic that I'm aware of, and we had a discussion about the tactic. You could refer, you could, you could do your due diligence when I price something, guys, or just call me. And I love talking about why I've arrived at a number.
0: Listen, friends, this is a podcast with two hosts that have been the hosts from the from the beginning. If you haven't figured out how many prices yet. Then you truly aren't listening, and I'm talking to nobody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and just in case there's more than nobody, here. no, just teasing. All right. <laughs> this is going
1: to get no, Dave's right. going to get real deep, real quick. If we're to- Dave's right, you—if you guys are listening to the podcast, you know us. You know where we're yeah. You know me already.
0: And look, I—and anybody that buys from me knows that I do not price to have the book sit there. I price to to move, and nobody ever—and right. nobody ever complains about my prices. But when I'm like, I'm looking at this mentality of okay this was this then you got to sell it cheaper and then the next person comes along and well that was that so you got to sell this cheaper and then and i know there is no possibility of a secret wars 8998 selling for zero but where does it stop it's causing people to panic and that's why people are selling lower and lower because they think this shit's not going to be worth any money and it's not going to be collectible now no offense to some of the people that collect comics out here but if you're not in this if you're panic selling and you love comics, there's there's you're, there's something wrong here because if you love comics, then you're not panic selling. Like you shouldn't be panic selling because there's nothing to panic about. The planet is still fucking burning, but we're all still here. Marvel movies will still come out and DC movies will still come out if that's what you're concerned about. This weird false panic of uh, uh, uh that that's spreading, I don't get it. And, and maybe I have a skewed perf- perspective because I'm not seeing it myself. But I'm also talking to all the people that, that we sell with, that we sell to, that we buy from. And everybody's the same way. Nobody's like, oh, I got to fucking sell all these books right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it, there's so much here. And you're right. Like earlier in this conversation, you talked about how You know, certain people are willing to sell their book at whatever price and devalue the book. And if you care about the book, how can you devalue it? Well, there's nuance there. If you have a a casual collector, maybe they've got 15 books in their collection and they've got one of each book. They don't have duplicates. What do they care what happens to it once they're done with it? They don't have another one, right? So Mm -hmm. they're just looking to get out of it. Now, the idea is, well, why are they looking to get out of it? Maybe they bought it at the height in 2021 and maybe they were trying to hold and the prices just kept going down, Mm -hmm. and then they finally had enough of it, and they had to stop the bleeding somewhere, right? Maybe they didn't have the conviction to hold for however long this buyer's market might last, which, I mean, honestly, uh, could be three years, could be six years. You know, buying and selling won't go away, but the trend might not be up, generally speaking, for a while. Mm -hmm. And That's another interesting thing though, because if people are planning to be around for a long time, this is a great time to actually start putting books away because as people are panic selling, you can just be buying your favorite stuff for prices that they probably shouldn't be selling for. And when the market does start to turn around, well, you're going to be in a great place. And so that's, that's the reason. Another reason why I don't think it's a race to, to the bottom is because there are savvy folks that are going to take advantage of the fact that people are just trying to stop the bleeding and they're going to just start putting away. But like maybe they've got fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 of book buying to do in the next year and they'll absorb as many $500 sales of $1,000
0: books as they possibly can. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it is. The buyer's market is a real thing and everything you just said is extremely valid and, and correct it is a buyers market
1: it is yeah we can't avoid that
0: and it is a good time to buy books like i i'm seeing books on some of these consigners i'm talking like they are 60% at what they were less than a year ago you know some batman keys just crazy low and and it's it's funny because you know we live in a time where it's almost split down the middle there's people that have attention spans they like long-form content they read books they watch movies they listen to albums and then there's the other side of it people that watch shorts they look at memes they read very brief descriptions and act as if they read the whole thing or saw the whole thing they read the synopsis of a movie and they're like oh yeah i saw that movie because they watched the trailer right and the people that are paying attention are seeing some of these books that, yeah, were, you know, seven months ago were twice the price. They're like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'll pick this up. And, you know, I think a lot of people are scared because of the writer strike and the actor strike. Oh, my God, there's never going to be movies again. And I can't relate these books to movies. Except, you know, there will be movies again because a trillion dollar industry isn't just going to give up on itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. And so there's a lot of like people that short attention span panic selling, which is like the, a double explosive bad thing, you know? Yeah. It's like
1: the pop culture fueled casual seller has exited the building temporarily. Temporarily. Yeah. But that being said, for every person that enters a... Casual buyer, I meant to say. Sorry. Collector, I meant to say. The pop culture fueled casual collector. And, and that was driving a lot of just like uh, a liquid market. It was creating a very liquid market for books that aren't blue chips for for a little while there. And that, that has changed a bit. Yeah.
0: That has changed a bit. And this is comic books and this is pop culture. So for every person that exits, yeah. another two people show up. And people are going to be getting into this stuff every day because things drive them. They see a YouTube video. They see, they discover whatnot. They look at. A trunk of stuff in their closet for the first time in in five years, and they decide, you know what, I'm not going to sell this. I'm gonna I'm gonna get more of this. And then there's the other part, which I touched on earlier. We're at the end of con season. New York Comic Con is still a month away, which is arguably a powerhouse, equal to or possibly greater than San Diego Comic Con. Now, that will you'll see an uptick in in sales around that because it just drums up more hype things get announced, people show up. an exclusive comes out that everybody fucking wants and the yeah. you know the internet goes crazy for it. and then Christmas season begins. The Spider-Man game comes out next month. You don't think that's gonna affect sales of your your latent ASM 300s? Yeah right. Watch what happens. So all these things and then con scene you know then this the holiday season and then we take our break. And then we get to next year and the cycle starts all over again. Right.
1: And, you know, I I don't want to be the voice of, um, I don't want to be contrary to everything you're saying during this conversation. And I'm not contrary to it. I mm. just, I, I see everything that you're seeing and I just feel a little unbothered by it because... I still see so much opportunity for us to have a good time and still have a viable business. You know, it's just different, right? But, but what I want to do here, Dave, is I want to turn everything that you said into a question to you. But first, I want to just recap something really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you're observing this race to the bottom mentality, sell the book by any means necessary. Consignment shops are representing books for the lowest price they possibly can to get the sale. And you're saying, guys, stop it. You're turning this into a self-fulfilling prophecy if we say the sky is falling and you start pricing as if it is well then it will so cut it out (laughs) you know but the question i have for you is it is it is something you're seeing and you're like what the hell you don't have to do it this way what should they do because if they price it above the last auction sale again buyer's market the book goes unsold what would you have the
0: consignment shops
1: do if the alternative doesn't sell the books
0: market it different why are they marketing these books in the way that you don't have to pay fees when you buy them the shipping is included you're already saving money by buying from them Mm. right there right there that is it like it's why claim sales work so well it's why we work so well you're already saving money no matter what we price it at, obviously, if we price it four hundred dollars above, you know, the the ask and the general ask, we're not going to make the sale. Okay. But if you go on eBay, let's just say you Secret Wars 9.8 direct. I, I don't even know what it's at these days, but let's say it's at nine hundred bucks. Yeah, Sa- sales hover from eight hundred to nine fifty, mm-hmm. depending on the the format. Mm-hmm. Everybody on eBay has theirs priced at 9.50 or above because it's eBay. Mm-hmm. They all have to account. So if you start pricing your books at 8.75, dollars everybody could sell them at $8.75 until, you know, that wave of people is not looking for them anymore. They don't have to pay tax and they, they most likely don't have to pay shipping. Yeah. I don't see why that's such a bad marketing tool. No, that's a great point. I've never,
1: I mean, maybe they do and I don't pay enough attention, but that's a great point. Part of something that they should continue to circulate in the community is that uh, sell, that selling factor there. That factor should be, hey, not only do we encourage our sellers to price fairly, um, actually, that's actually part of the argument here, but um, exactly what you said. They should market the fact that there is no tax when you buy here, and uh, shipping is included in the prices, and... So you're gonna save money. Don't just look at the number on GPA. Don't just look at the the final sales price on eBay. Remember, some people are in California and they're paying seventy nine percent in tax.
0: <laughs> well, that that's the thing, right? You don't have to. You know, I'm sure there's legal reasons they could just say uh, seven fifty tax tax and shipping included, or whatever, or no no additional fees. But yeah, the entire fucking West Coast, aside from Oregon, is paying ten percent in sales tax. I mean, in New York it's got to be close to 10% in sales tax. Instead, it's okay, we're giving you a better deal than the open market. Plus, it's priced like a fucking flea market. So why right. why why not buy for us? This is not my uh frustration towards this is not because I Dave is not making money. It's because I'm fucking sick of seeing what I love treated like a fucking flea market. What a beautiful point to make. Yeah. And and look, I fucking hate slabs. We all know that. They're a necessary evil, but I hate them. I love them, but I hear you. I, I know. And for the last five years, this collectible industry has been propped up by CGC is everything. And now you're fucking selling these slabs like they're used condoms? Come on. So you Pick hate... a fucking side. Right. So you, you really, you don't like the
1: fact, and it's easy fact not to like, that collectibles emotional
0: collectibles have been commoditized art Ooh. and art will always be commodi- commoditized or commodit commoditized is that the word i think it is yeah commodified no, art is a commo- no yeah art art has been a commodity since the 60s maybe a little bit before and people have pushed back against that and i have my own opinions on that but i live in the real world and the comic book medium it is art, but it is also, a it is a consumer good, a collectible. It's all of those things. But yeah, I, I have too much invested in this my entire life to fucking just be like, yeah, piss on it. That's why I go and save this shit from flea markets. And I save this shit from people getting rid of it by buying it from them. And sure, it's my business, but do you think I want to see somebody dump out a box of Amazing Spider-Man or, you know, fucking leave it in, in a, a moldy mildew attic for the rest of its life? No.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm motherfucking Nick Cage and National Treasure, baby. I am Indiana Jones.
1: <laughs> uh, there's some great clippables in the last two minutes. Just like you, when I see... See, here's the difference. Here's the difference. I love where you're coming from, Dave. It's so important to recognize the fact that what you said, Dave's not not making money. Dave's upset at the disrespect for the things that he loves and so many people love. And I completely see that. And so I'm asking myself, well, why am I unbothered by it? It's not that I'm entirely unbothered by it. It's that I am bothered by it when it's something that I'm holding. (laughs) and I see somebody devalue it. Well, then I'm pissed off because then the business side of me is like, you idiot. You know, stop doing that to my... Because I'm taking paper losses at that point, not realized losses. But if I have a Mm -hmm. book that sold last for six grand and then someone sells it for 4,200, well, now if I'm selling based on comps, I have an $1,800 paper loss. And I'm going to hold that book until I can sell it for where I don't have the the realized loss right so i'm forced to hold it for a while unless i don't give a shit about that 1800 because maybe i graded the book from raw and enough of a profit is there to make still but regardless the point i'm making is i do see it from your perspective when it is something that i am closely involved in why am i not trouble troubled when i see the overall sentiment of sell it no matter what the price is here's why because i really believe in the stuff I am not scared that it's going to go to zero because what is good is good. What is loved will always be. And time will prove that the people that want it will pay for it as it's going down and as it's going up, and they will guard it. And certain things in a panic-fueled market will come to market because people are trying to stop the bleeding. But when they get acquired, they're getting acquired by two sorts of people. People that want it and don't want to sell it, which means it's all for the market and you're not going to see that thing sell for less again, that particular copy, or people that are holding for when times get better and they're going to sell it for more. They're going to be a part of the prices going up because they're going to be stubborn at the price they're willing to release it at because they want to be profitable compared to the price that they got it at. So I just think, yes, bullshit and crap, it's discovering its true value. Let it go to fucking zero if it was garbage to begin with. The good shit cannot go to zero. I'm not worried about a bull and a bear market. Good stuff over time goes up and to the right. That's a reference to a chart. It's just like real estate. It's just like anything else. The good stuff will last. And if you know what you're doing, you're able to hold it and you buy it right, you're going to be okay. Crap will suffer. It's up to the buyer to determine what is and what is not crap. I think you and I, Dave,
0: have a good sense of that. Yeah, yeah. And I think what a sequel to this conversation is. The people that I have been talking about since I started doing this that sell the garbage and they know it's garbage and they don't care. Those are the people that hurt this overall industry. They did it in the 90s with fucking bullshit that Wizard was propagating. I'm not sorry, Manu. And they No, I hear you, man. And they're doing it again with their fucking whatnot and their bullshit exclusives. And it, it's that shit that destroys this. You can't destroy Jack Kirby. No nope. You can't destroy Todd McFarlane. You can't destroy Stan Lee. You can't destroy Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel. You can't take down Neil Adams. You can't take down any of this shit. Stop devaluing it. Because it it it's a bad look. But also what you were saying about the market and the chart going up and to the right like obviously I immediately knew what you were saying and pictured it mm-hmm. I always look at things it's so weird and I don't know what this mentality is but like kind of like a Tetris mentality where it's not about the, the the minutia of the market it's about just clearing the space with the right pieces that fit and then it goes away mm-hmm. but I look at what I do in such a I don't know I don't know how to articulate wha- how how I view it but I'm going to give you a, an example that's kind of what Dave is in a nutshell. Okay. Dave goes to some collector's house who's looking to get out of his books. He doesn't cherry pick through it. He says, look, I'll buy it all, but we got to get to a right price. I'm sorry if you're listening, U.S. government. Go fuck yourself. I put cash money in that person's pocket. I take their stuff. Mm-hmm. That person uses the money for whatever it is.
1: Yeah.
0: Whatever it is. I mean, look. The guy who I just bought this raw collection said he was starting his retirement fund with the, the money. And so there you go. Here's another piece of it. I go to Ancient Comics, which is my favorite LCS uh, that is closing. He's moving out of the country for a couple years. I go there. He knows what I do for a living. We are very, very much simpatico. We are pals because of that. He really respects the, the hustle and he, you know, all that. He gives me a really good discount. I buy stuff. He knows I'm going to resell a lot of it. I just helped out my LCS. I put money in his pocket. Now I've got all this cool stuff that I could charge a decent price for and sell it to my my customers. Mm-hmm. I just bought those Marvel Universe boxes from a, a an LCS that's 300 miles away. I just put money in his pocket. That helps him because he is a growing local comic store. That gets new books and other books to people that are reading. Mm-hmm. It's all about like doing these little things for this ecosystem, this mini economy that we're evolved in. But when I look at these consignment shops and I look at the way that people sell, I'm just like, that's the opposite. You're you're taking somebody's book. You're saying, look, we've got this reach, but you got to sell it low, 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 low. And then somebody else gets happy because they get it. But then there's this person on the other side that's not happy, probably inside. Or maybe they are. Maybe like you said, they're just trying to get out of it. I like the type of thing where it's like, I do this thing to get these things and then I pass them on to somebody else at a good price. And nobody on any side of that middle end, or beginning is devaluing this stuff. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know. I don't know if that made any sense.
1: (laughs) I mean, I think there were some points in there. I do. I, I do think there were some points in there.
0: Uh, in, in these situations, this Bane book thing really pissed me off because it's clear some, sh- some fucking trickery is going on with that that thing.
1: I mean, it's really interesting that that post is gone, right? Because uh, for all of the things that I said earlier, also, but how telling is it? Listen, when you put up a book for a price that's a no-brainer buy and you get three claims... well. You know that you sold it too low, and yeah. no one should sell it for that low again. It is obvious. It's much like when I grabbed that 316 Mark Jewelers 9.8 on Grails, mm-hmm. $2,500. I snatched it up. And that's not an easy book to price. There's no comps for it. No. You have to have a sense of how rare it is, who wants it, and what they're willing to pay for it. It showed up for 2500 Someone was kind enough to alert me. I grabbed it. How many backup claims followed that? 100. There's a hundred and some odd comments on that. You know right away the evidence is there, $2,500 just because that's what it got listed for and I bought it for, ain't the value. The value is in all of the people that say, shit, I wish I would have bought that. That's how you know it's worth more. Sometimes you find the value by pricing things too low because of the excitement surrounding the
0: loss of the item. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it too. I wonder if there's anybody that watches my sale that sees me selling books and be like, He priced that too low. Why is he doing that? Mm. There are certain books that have gotten scooped up within three seconds, even, you know, accounting for the fact that there might be like some real time delay in the comments. It's still instantly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some books are priced so low that no delay can keep that claim from coming in instantly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, but. There's never a point where I feel like I'm pricing it too low. I I get self-conscious sometimes. I'm like, should I price this higher? And then I'm like, nah, what the fuck? Who cares? I'll get it again. I've been having that mentality, right? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I do. Yeah, I just sold uh, the first Poison Ivy Slab to our friend Taj. And that was a book that I thought was going to be mine forever. And then I'm like, you know what? I'll get it again. This is what I do. These books come my way. Yes, dude. I love that. Absolutely. But that's the mentality of somebody that goes through books, thousands of books at a, you know, in a month. Yeah, yeah. You have <laughs> the benefit
1: of adapting that mentality. Not everyone yeah. is going to hunt and continue to look
0: for it. So yeah, that is an advantage that you have indeed. Yeah. But it's it this whole thing's just kind of like this all week I was just kind of sour every time I opened up Instagram and just see these posts and these sales and that i don't like elite for the way that they are elite and i'm already soured on diamond comic because like auction prices don't dictate the market they just don't we already discussed why and and what the exceptions to that is right right but when there there's hundreds and hundreds of the same books like Somebody making a rash decision to sell something because they need money does not tell me that when you walk into a comic store, that that price is going to be anywhere near that. And obviously, comic stores have to price high because they have more overhead. They have overhead in general, but they have way more overhead.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. You know, Dave, I want to I give an example. Of an interaction that I had with a friend yesterday, a transaction took place And it kind of incorporates a few of the the thoughts that we're having today and a philosophy that we often discuss, right? Value the relationship more than the sale. Mm -hmm. I did that yesterday. As well, I showed respect to not wanting to devalue a very cool book. So let me tell you what happened, right? So I recently graded an Amazing Spider-Man 316 Mark Jewelers got the 9.8, hmm. but got an off-white to white pager. And people are probably listening saying, dude, you did that like two years ago. In fact, indeed I did, but I did it again.
0: <laughs> <And this laughs> way,
1: yeah, get another Mark Jewelers nine eight three sixteen, and again, it's an off-white to white page. But that's all right. Still very beautiful, still very rare, still very desired. And there's a friend in the community whom when I purchased the... white pager from Grails, he reached out to me and he said, you have two now, right? I said, yeah, but the other one's an off-white to white page. And he said, well, do you want to sell that one? And I said, "Mm, no, I don't really want to. And he said, well, think about me when you want to. And I said, okay, fair enough. And, you know, we just stayed community friends, right? Engaging with each other's posts. Well, Mm -hmm. um, I shared with our friends uh, via a story post that there is another Nine eight three sixteen Mark Jewelers headed my way, and it's off white to White Page. Mm-hmm. And a few people reached out, and I said, "Well, yeah, I, I I'm gonna sell one of them now." And that actually, I communicated that to this individual as well, who was interested in the past, and uh, he said, "I am interested. How much do you want for the book?" And I told him, "I said, you know, I'm in a unique place where I could put a price on it, or you can really just tell me what you want to pay for it, and it might just work out because." I'm going to be profitable on it. That's kind of a guarantee. And um I'm kind of okay with selling it especially if it's privately done and the price that we agree on doesn't affect the public perception of what the book is actually worth cuz I would list it for way more than the price that my friend and I were discussing. So again, Mark Jewelers, 98316 off white to white page and um I put a number on it. You know, he said, I, just tell me what you want for it. You know, I don't want to just cook up the price. It's a hard one to place. Why don't you let me know? And so I did put a price on it because we both agreed that this should be a private communication and we shouldn't publicly say that that's how much this book traded hands for because it doesn't reflect the actual value of the book. And what I paid for the 9-8 on grails means absolutely nothing. It shouldn't have been sold for that price to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so... We had somewhat of a negotiation, but it was more just for fun, because I put a price on it that I thought was fair, and he did too. And just being the sort of individual he is, which is much like the sort of individual I am, you still got to try to get a couple bucks more <laughs> off just to feel good about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he, he threw this other, just a tiny, tiny bit off. He threw it out there, and my first reaction was like, no, come on, you know I could sell it for X. And then it, it came to this point really quickly where I was like, well, you know what? actually yeah well you know we have a deal and that was actually me taking into consideration value the relationship more than the sale that phone call i had with this gentleman 30 or 40 minutes was so pleasant it was so Mm -hmm. fun i was excited about yeah i was excited about the future of talking to this person about books and stuff like i'm so happy that he had interest in a book many many months ago then when i have the book again He's still right there with the same... He kept the same energy, as -hmm. people say. He was like, yeah, I told you I wanted it. I still want it. Let's talk. I respect that already. Because could you imagine you can hit somebody up and say, hey, remember when you wanted that book? And they say, oh, I changed my mind. Or, oh, things are different now. No. How great is it for him to show up and say, nope, I am still into this thing. Let's figure it out. Let's get on the phone. My kind of guy, my kind of conversation. So that, that offer that he made me, I accepted it. He paid within minutes. And um, I'm extremely happy. But also, we respected the idea of not publicly devaluing a book. Where on a consignment page, unfortunately, it is very public. Mm -hmm. And the people that see it are recording that data in their own database, right? Their own mind. And in this particular case, I was able to sell a book well below market. Our friend was able to grab the book for a price that he's happy for. I'm profitable because I graded from raw, and it has no effect on the overall market because no one knows the price. And I'm sorry, I'm keeping the price um, close to the hip here as well, but for obvious reasons. But you know, more than a couple grand, more than I more than I paid for the white pager on Grails, but less than ten thousand. That's where we'll leave it. But I think that was a fantastic um, experience yesterday.
0: Well, I think that just a testament to who you are, and I love the uh, you know. The fact that you pointed out that he had asked you about that book months ago and he kept the same energy when he finally bought it. And, yeah. you know, it's it's always in our best interest as sellers to hook up the people that we know respect us and want to buy from us. Love that. Absolutely. It's, it, it it The respecting, and I've said this, you've said this, and I said this specific thing as a human, as a person going into it, my first experience with you, you have 100% of my respect. Until you don't, right? It's all on you. I'm so glad that you made that sale because you know it's a big sale, and I'm happy for the person because, as a Todd fan and a Mark Jeweler fan, I'm hella jealous <laughs> in the most in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also <laughs> happy, and uh, yeah, there's so much more to say about this. We we could easily we're going to touch on this a lot because it's always changing. The, the, everything that we talked about will be different in two months and three months and four months and so on and so forth. Now, I don't know if you want to. I don't even know if I want to. But how do you feel about a Manu's Marvel movies? You can say no. Hit me. If you've got one up the sleeves, up your sleeves already. Hit me with it. I just thought of this about 45 seconds ago. So let me attempt this one. Our main character takes a trip with friends of his to Italy. And he's currently dealing with the death of his mentor, and he meets somebody who is definitely not what he seems he, he's he's mysterious but he's really friendly and things ensue there's a death at the end and he's blamed for it that's that's
1: what the what how is it possible that i don't know shit <laughs> how is it possible main character goes to italy meets somebody interesting Then there's a death at the end and he's blamed for it. What the f- I mean, shouldn't I have the answer at main character goes to Italy? Yes, you should.
0: But what fucking Marvel character in a movie went to Italy? All right, let's say he goes to Europe, because he doesn't just go to Italy.
1: It's so good that the amount of time I'm about to take to ponder what I say next can be condensed in editing.
0: (laughs) 35 seconds later.
1: I'm gonna get this right, man. But how am I gonna get this right? I don't even- Like, nothing's ringing
0: a bell. Um- I can give you I can give you two hints, but you'll get it. And I don't want to give it until you've exhausted your brain. Okay, don't don't give them to me yet, then I actually want to think about this. I need to need to take some pride myself or whatever. Um main character He's concerned oh. about people finding out his secret identity the whole time. I need a hint. I think you've seen it. That's embarrassing,
1: bro. I've seen the movie.
0: <laughs> I think so.
1: If there's a Spider-Man movie that he (laughs) goes to Europe, I'm so pissed off.
0: Yeah, it's Spider-Man too far away from home. (laughs) Tom Holland goes on a school trip to Europe. He meets Mysterio and he's dealing with the death of Tony Stark. And then Mysterio dies at the end and fucking Spider-Man's blamed for it. I didn't see that movie. God, you're—I didn't know that. I thought you had seen the Spider-Man movie. No, I didn't. See, that's, when,
1: that's when Spider-Man just became like another part of the Avengers, and I was like, "There's too many other characters in these films." I, you know what? I watched this one movie that had like Vulture in it and some other people. That's,
0: that's Homecoming. That's the first one.
1: That's Dude, the first Tom Holland. Watched it, kept none of it in my brain. I'm seeing a girl. She told me about the movie. And I said, there's no Vulture in a movie. Vulture's never been in a Spider-Man movie. She was like, Vulture was in it. This guy was in it. I was like, what are you talking about? And then she showed it. I thought, I literally thought she was pulling my leg. Oh my. And I've watched the movie. But that's how, I don't know why. I just, out of my mind, I must not have enjoyed it at all. I am not sure why. How embarrassing. That was a Spider-Man film? My goodness. Amazing Spider-Man 14 is the first appearance of Green Goblin.
0: (laughs) And this has been another episode of It Came From The Newsstand. (laughs) Wow, man. It's not my goal to make you feel bad or unknowledgeable because, you know, like you do have a podcast with somebody who's over-knowledgeable about this stuff. Right. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm being very confident. There's not too many people. That can could fool me on a movie like I fool you, but I don't want you to feel bad. But if I had I realized now that if I had said he goes on a school trip to Europe and tries to hide his identity from his friends, all while dealing with the death of his father figure, after he meets this mysterious ally who he turn, who turns out to be a villain and dies at the end you still wouldn't have gotten it would you no because yeah. i don't i didn't know that spider-man went on a school trip to europe i tried to i tried to emphasize the word mysterious because you know uh mm. jake gyllenhaal plays mysterio jake gyllenhaal was
1: mysterio yeah yeah i love jake gyllenhaal and and here's here's something i'll say it makes me feel a little foolish and a little embarrassed but it doesn't i am who i am you yeah know? it yeah. is what it is and and i'm good with that <laughs>
0: i've said this before one of my oldest friends scott has never seen star wars and it has not affected our friendship in 25 years you said this thing you were like you know it's
1: okay that you don't know some of these things because you have a podcast with and you're friends with yourself dave who who has an immense amount of knowledge right and and that's a very important point because removing this from an idea about comic books and pop culture and just bringing this to an idea of um either as an individual or as a team, a successful individual is not one that knows all or knows how to do all. It's one that knows who to tap on for the information that they don't have or how to work with someone that can do something better than them or something that they can't. That is it. And we
0: are an effective fucking team. That's right, my friend. That is absolutely right. I want to be the guy that everybody calls to be their wild card in trivia because I will win that trophy for them. There you fucking go. (laughs) this has been a fucking great episode like I we always say that and yeah but it's true it is I I love love, yeah I love knowing that we're gonna sit down and and talk and record and whatever comes out of it is what these folks will hear after I chop it up and make it so that there's not a lot of weird shit going on in between those silent pauses yeah (laughs) because there's a lot of weird shit going on What y'all don't hear, uh, you should be thankful.
1: Especially what you guys don't see.
0: <laughs> 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 Woo! With that, I am going to ask you, the loyal listener, the faithful newsstand patron, please, if you can, take a, a very short moment out of your day to give a review to this podcast on whatever platform you are listening to on whether that be spotify apple google amazon steve's podcast app what it does it helps push the podcast out to people that do not know us hence we get new listeners hence our egos get giant and inflated and in a year you hate us (laughs) and manu where can they find us
1: well dave If our friends are looking for you, they can find you on Instagram and on YouTube under West Coast Avengers. And if you're looking for the Instagram page for the podcast, that is at It Came From The Newsstand. And if you're looking for me, you can find me at The 9.9 Newsstand
0: on Instagram. And this has been another moderately priced episode of it came from the newsstand. And I was going to say, you stop it now. Give me a hand chop. Shh.